Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. As we get older, the odds are that many of us will need some time of long-term care. In fact, for someone turning 65 today, there's almost a 70% chance they will need at least a few years of long-term care services in their remaining years. But finding the right kinds of care and ways to afford it can be a formidable task. Long-term care options are often complicated and expensive and can arise suddenly through an unexpected crisis. Increasingly, many average American families are turning to Medicaid, yet qualifying for these programs can be stressful and confusing. In today's episode, Guido Durley, the founder of Emix Elder Care, talks about his mission to help people understand their long-term care options and guide them through each step of the Medicaid application process. A certified Medicaid planner, Guido will explain how he works with families to plan so they can obtain benefits that will help secure the best personalized options for care. More broadly, Guido will also talk about his role as an advocate for the vulnerable elderly, working with other professionals to raise awareness about programs, ensuring that families get connected to care as soon as possible, and know that they don't have to climb this challenging mountain alone. So now let's meet our guest, Guido Durley. Guido, welcome to the show. Hey, Ron. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. So listen, before we uh, get into your actual work, um, uh, I, I'm always interested in, in people's uh, personal journey because many of my 45 forward guests have you know, extraordinary journeys that always remind me, and I like to remind others, that life is a journey and it's like, okay, this is what you're doing now, but that's not how you started out. So give us just a snapshot of how you got to found Emix and what you did before you did that. Sure. Well, um Early on in my career, right out of school, I started out in distribution. Hmm. Um, uh, I uh, I was young, uh, looking to get into business uh, for myself, and it seemed like uh, of interest to me. Uh, I spent quite uh, a bit of time building a couple of very successful uh, bakery distribution companies, expanding them throughout uh, New York. Uh, specifically in Queens, um, built them, and over a period of time, grew them, uh, and uh, and eventually sold them. Um, and uh, at the time, uh, started looking to see what was next. My wife was working for a company in freight forwarding, um, and uh, I came across an opportunity where I could make an investment, learn a. Um, uh, career path that I could never imagine myself in, but it seemed somewhat synergistic to distribution. I got involved, I became a uh, a um, customs house broker in a very short period of time wow. uh, to support my investment uh, and worked in the freight forwarding industry, customs brokerage industry, and eventually building a small trucking company to complement that. Uh, for a, a good 10 years or so, uh, again, divesting myself of that over time uh, successfully. Uh, and I realized that I had a knack for it, you know, to mm-hmm. get involved in businesses and uh, to grow them, turn them around in some cases, and uh, eventually went on to doing that uh, more as a uh, 
core career activity, mm-hmm. uh, uh, buying, selling businesses, investing in businesses, helping businesses to turn around, helping sellers to sell businesses, buyers to buy them. And I did that for a good period of time. Um, again, successfully uh, until, uh, you know, fulfilling a, uh, I, at the time I owned VR mergers and acquisitions of New York, which was um, a franchised office in New York uh, for a hmm. Florida headquartered larger conglomerate. And um, well, we had a 10 year agreement, at the end of which I decided that I was a little bit tired. Um, right. and It wasn't necessarily exactly what I wanted it to be in terms of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started MX Advisors at the time. Mm-hmm. And the goal was initially to do a lot of the same of what we had done, but eventually, very shortly thereafter, turned into a single target acquisition company wow. where we were looking to acquire a business and we fell across uh, this very unique uh, sort of business. I like small businesses that are not very mainstream, somewhat obscure, obscure with a moat around it. And huh. I found this uh, Medicaid planning industry, which I I thought was intriguing at first and eventually became more of a passion play for me. Wow. Uh, yeah. I discovered that working with seniors fulfilled something for me that uh, I never knew I was missing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, after failing at the target uh, over a year's worth of negotiations and back and forth, we decided to start up. We had a small company. We had a small team of our own. Hmm. Uh, we had acquired enough knowledge and research through the year uh, that we decided that the barrier of entry was low enough at that time to start up. And we started up MX, what was MX Advisors became MX Elder Care. Wow. Uh, And that uh, that was, uh, we're in our fifth year, so it was about four years ago. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's yeah, quite, haven't, turned that quite a, haven't turned back since. That's what, that's quite a journey. I mean, I think that I, I always find these uh, kinds of stories um, not only intriguing, but informative, you know, a, a, you know, in the sense that you're, especially as you're dealing with, you know, families with seniors, uh, but I'm sure also adult children to get involved in the process. Um, you know, having had that, you know, these series of prior careers gives you a good sense of just what people's lives are like, you know, what are, and also just what are, you know, pragmatic ways to solve people's problems. If you, if you're an entrepreneur, you, you got to solve problems. So Question. I'm sure that gave you a lot of insights as to, you know, well, it's, you know, it's all very much project based, right? You know, right. you're working on a project to acquire a business over a period of time. There are players involved, you know, uh, and along the way you acquire these relationships that tend to sort of wean off as the as the project ends right Uh, Right. that was very unfulfilling for me for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and uh and working with seniors and their families you know you almost become a part of that Mm -hmm. uh, period it doesn't end right you know uh, with our clients the clients that we take on we remain involved with them for the rest of their lives right quite often you know their adult children come back to us from time to time um, and I realized we've been around only for a short period of time, five years. Right. But in those five years, you know, we've we've worked through families uh, right. and we remain involved. And we get we almost become vested in the sense that we're we really understand the family. We're taking on their these challenges as an obligation. We've become part of the equation. Right. Uh, right. And one that we get emotionally vested in. I could speak that uh, uh, for myself and for everyone else on my team. Yeah. Yeah. We are very passionate about the work that we do and having that relationship 
sort of helps to support our uh, our efforts, helps yeah. to support yeah. our interests, right? Yeah. Now, when I, I met you, you know, I, I was curious. Uh, um, I didn't know what I said. Well, what, what does MX mean? You know, so why don't we start with that? Explain to folks, you know, what what that term means because it is it is significant. Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I mean, it's a study of at least for us, it's a study of an otherwise very complex process. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. And it's the, uh, the the study of a cultural phenomena from the eyes of uh, someone that participates in that phenomena. And 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 like I said, for us, our really our our goal is to help people to decipher an otherwise extremely complex process. Right. And so that's what emics means to us. Yeah, and I think it is a pretty complex culture, you know, deciphering how you can be. how you how you can age, be. you know, successfully. So 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 you're a certified Medicaid planner. Tell tell us uh, what, what does it mean to be certified? What does that process involve? Yeah, so certification, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a certified Medicaid planner really answers to a higher authority. Okay. Um, there are, you know, uh, there is a um, uh, a series of, you know, uh, there's exams, there's preparation, there are certain educational and, uh, and experience requirements in becoming certified. And you're really, you know, you know, we... Um, you, you're you're creating sort of a, a board. You know, the certified Medicaid board is a board that essentially, as certified Medicaid planners, we have to answer to. Okay. Right. Their ethics, professional uh, professionalism uh, requirements. There's ongoing CEU requirements, continual education requirements, and there is uh, a board that um, that really decides whether or not you are capable of uh, being considered a certified Medicaid planner, all uh, culminating in an examination process. Right. So just to clarify, so, it's not, it's not uh, you know, government certification, but it's basically- It's not a government certification. It's a certified Medicaid planning board mm -hmm. um, that, um, uh, that oversees certified Medicaid planners, probably, right. I would say about 100 or so throughout the country. Oh, really? That's- Yeah, we're one of two, only two in the state. Okay. All right. So it's, yeah, not easily achievable. Right. Right. But right. then again, we do the things because they're hard, not because they're easy. Ah, right? yes, indeed, indeed. So let's let's dive a little bit deeper into what your mission is. How do you how do you work with families? You know, what, what is how does your uh, your firm work? Ah, so so our mission is to help connect people to care. Okay. That's really what our goal is. And that care can be in a variety of settings, at home, in an assisted living, living with family, or in a skilled environment. Okay. Um, our overarching goals connect people to care. And along the way, we, uh, we subscribe to certain programs that help pay for it. Um, and that's really, what, um, um, that's really what we're focused on. We uh, do not measure our successes in approvals we are not a Medicaid application assistance company. We are certified Medicaid planners that are that are interested in connecting people to care and stopping nowhere short of that. Okay. Okay. So how does it start? So someone comes to you and says, okay, uh, whether it's the parents or the loved ones or their, well, I assume it, they're essentially the clients. I mean, you get involved with the whole family, but the clients are the 
you know, the the elderly well, couple. They are. They are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're often working with their adult children, which right. are uh, hopefully part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Not always the case, but certainly something that we look forward to having uh, approaching this as sort of a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it comes to us in, you know, a variety of ways, I would say crisis, mostly, mm-hmm. uh, right. Someone, uh, 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 dad's in the hospital, uh, he's going to a rehab center. They've let them know, you know, he, although he was 87 and driving last week, that's probably not going to be the case for me, folks. going to need a lot of help. And so, uh, you know, uh, getting that help at home, uh, ideally where he wants to be, could be very expensive. You know? mm-hmm. Easily cost eight, ten thousand dollars a month, depending on how much care you need. If you need someone living in with them all the time, twenty-four hour split shifts can cost twenty thousand dollars a month easily. Right. And so, how do you afford that, right? You know, how can you afford that, or at least how can you afford it for a long period of time, right? You know, build, you know. Uh, I, at least for myself, I could speak. I, I'd like to age with dignity. Right? Right. And, and aging with dignity can be very difficult to do when you have no money. And so, you know, outliving your money could be a challenge. Right. And, you know, spending money at that rate can be very difficult. Anyway, so we're introduced in those types of situations. Other situations, people are already paying for care. Um, and they're realizing that this is very quickly exhausting everything that their parents have worked for. Right. And they are seeking alternatives. Right. Um, and so they seek the assistance of a Medicaid planner, in our case, a certified Medicaid planner, um, to help design a plan to get them connected uh, to care and the programs that help pay for it as quickly as possible. Right. It's quite often how we're coming across these things. There are situations where people are coming to us, I would say, a little bit early. Okay. Um, and they're really better geared to working with an older law attorney. Uh, in state planning, wills, okay. states, um, uh, you know, uh, things of that nature, trusts, you know, you're better off not in crisis. You might be better off working with an elder law attorney. But then again, we're sort of, uh, we offer free consultations for everyone that we speak to. Right. Uh, they get an hour of our time, at least, uh, probably a half hour to an hour of Darius' time on our team. Um uh, and we're sort of deciding these things through the consult, where yeah. they are on that front and whether or not our services are appropriate at this time or possibly an elder law attorney's services. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that because that's certainly, you know, you work with elder law attorneys, you work with a lot of people. You know, this is one of these professions that I think is uh, rewarding but complicated because it requires a lot of collaboration and a lot of knowledge across disciplines. Um, so, you know, in, in, in our family, my mom's family, we did, uh, talk to an elder law attorney, you know, fairly early. I mean, I guess part of it is that if you're thinking about, um, you know, Medicaid, right, there's, especially, you don't, you don't know, um, if it's going to be in a facility, uh, most people would not, don't prefer that, but, but there is a, a look back period, right? Five-year look back period for, for, um, for, uh, care in a facility um i guess things are changing uh with at home care right medicaid at home care right i mean proposed so, to change proposed to change right right so that that's one of the difficulties is being on top of what the regulations are okay so um if someone is thinking you know that far ahead they normally don't 
uh, talk with you. Is that right? Or are they? No, I mean, quite often they come to us. There are, uh, they will come to us from time to time. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I think a bit early. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're Medicaid specialists. That's what we do. We're not estate planners. Although part of what we do is protecting assets, preserving income, creating more, you know, uh, more predictable, more beneficial outcomes. Uh, but along the way, you know, you're in your early 70s and you're very active and mm-hmm. you're looking to take steps now to sort of get all of these things rolling and in place. Speaking with a Medicaid planner at that point is probably not the right idea. However, a good Medicaid planner will identify that early and uh, recommend that they speak to whomever it is that they will refer to in that case, depending on the situation, um, and offer some guidance as far as they're concerned on what, you know, uh, what uh, sort of route to take and what steps to take at that point to get things moving as best possible. Right, right. And I think that uh, you and I have talked before about this. Some of these things are, are things that you technically can do yourself, but as you as you've uh, mentioned before, uh, you know it's like uh, trying to do these you know applications or go through the process yourself is 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 uh, you know your analogy was trying to fix your own leaky faucet. You know you can oversimplify things, but you know anything outside your own wheelhouse, you know call a plumber. You know, and similarly, I think this uh, you could make that case about. I, Medicaid planning. I, yeah, I talk about it all the time. You know, mm-hmm. if you're the type of person, you've got a leaky faucet and you decide you're going to go back to Fourth Home Depot five times and speak to the, the plumber in the plumbing section who's going to offer you some advice and finally get home and do whatever it is that they prescribed after a long weekend of doing it, eventually only to find your ceilings falling down a month later because you didn't do it right. Well, then that's going to be your path. And eventually you're going to call a plumber anyway. I say call the plumber first. Right. Um, and, you know, let plumbers do what they do. You do what you do best. Let them do what they do best. You'll always get a better outcome, always in a, in a quicker fashion, less stress on yourself. And it'll always, always cost you less money. Right. Right. Yeah. I experienced this recently when I we had to change uh, um, a shower head in one of our bathrooms. And I would started to work on it myself. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> and and often you know, t- you know, theoretically how to do it, but you really don't have the right tool, you know. So it seems you guys pretty right simple, tool. right? YouTube yeah. said just to do it, turn it this way and do it that way, and use this kind of tape. Right. But and uh, if you're anything like me, when you look at it every day, you look at it, you're gonna notice that one little smidgen right. that's off and it's gonna drive you crazy for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. If okay. it works. Right. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, Don't go away, folks. We'll be talking much more with Guido Dorley. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? 
Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Guido Durley, the founder of MX Elder Care. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, how, you know, uh, how he works as a Medicaid specialist. Uh, and, um, you know, we were talking about how when you need a specialist, you should hire a specialist. <laughs> you know, if you're, uh, if you're a DIY guy, you better be pretty good. Otherwise, you're going to end up uh, getting others to do it after you're done. So um, so you've also, in our previous conversations, uh, uh, Guido, talked about, you know, your firm, you know, characterized it as, as a single item menu. You know, tell us what you mean by that. So we're specialists, right? right? Uh, what we do is Medicaid planning. And there's, there are a number of, uh, you know, different characteristics to Medicaid planning, you know, uh, asset preservation, you know, income uh, protection, you know, uh, and, and, and other sort of estate planning-esque uh, qualities to it. Uh, but for the most part, we're focused on you know, getting people connected to care as quickly as we possibly can, mm-hmm. minimizing the impact and maximizing the outcome, right? right. Um, benefits, right? We were just talking about, you know, a specialist and why use a specialist. I, I got a call last week. I'll tell you a quick story yeah. from a, a CPA, retired, um, who called us out of desperation. Um, he came referred to us through a colleague. She said, you got to speak to Amex. Called us. He was 17 months into the process. He had uh, gotten applications for both his mom and his dad, who needed care, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he went through the application process. Uh, uh, in his own description of it, spent almost a week of his life at Department of Social Services. Mm-hmm. And here he was 17 months later calling me asking to help him get them connected to care. Um, the results of all of what I'm saying uh, ended up giving his mother 12 hours a week worth of care and his father 16 hours a week worth of care. Um, and if you know uh, people in need, they need care every day. Right. They need four to six hours of care every day. Well, you know, that's 30 to 40 hours a week. Uh, they were, They ended up with way less than what they could use. And a lot of that is because there are certain things along the way that a specialist can do to sort of predict these things, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we create more predictable outcomes, more beneficial outcomes um, by understanding the process, understanding where the mistakes are made, 
representing our clients well, and in doing so, shortening the period of time in which we take to get people connected to care, in most cases, 60 to 90 days on the outset, right. uh, and getting them very beneficial outcomes. Yeah. You know, getting a woman who needs 30 hours a week, 30 hours a week, right? and getting a gentleman who may need 40, you know, uh, 42 hours a week, 42 hours a week. There's nothing short of that. What happens right. is at the end of it all, that these things kind of get baked in. And at that point, it becomes more of a fair hearing and an appeals process. And that can be very expensive and very time consuming. Right. Um, again, working with a specialist, right, uh, yeah. you know, can be very helpful in this sense. Right. Whereas working with someone who's more of a general practitioner may not be. Right. They don't understand these programs, the practicality of it. They understand the laws. They understand how things should be. Right. But they don't unnecessarily understand how that is used in practice. Right. Where are the pinky specialists of LDLR planning, right? We've talked about this before. My son plays soccer. He ended up breaking his pinky or at the point at the time injuring his pinky on the field in the car ride home. My wife and I in discussion talked about should we take him to his pediatrician? No, you know what? Let's go right to the orthopedic. And I said, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's find a pinky specialist at the orthopedic. And we're the pinky specialists <laughs> of elder law, right? right? Specifically Medicaid planning. Right. When you're in a crisis and you're, you know, getting connected to care a day versus 30 days earlier may equate to being, Ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of care. You want to work with somebody who's going to get you there, right? And get right. you there quickly with the greatest benefit, right? Uh, so, working with a specialist or a pinky yeah, specialist in this yeah, case yeah, is yeah. really the way to go. So, so, walk me through the process a little bit more, um, uh, uh, Keto, in terms of okay, someone comes to you. Uh, I assume you initially have a family conversation about what are your needs and so forth, and you sort of information gathering. And and then you look at the at the at the application process. You work work on that. Is that how it works? Yeah. So we have a we have a four stage process. Uh, starts with a referral in most cases, and go and then translates in most cases into a consultation. Okay. Which in our world is always free, right? Um, and so during a free consultation, we'll gather information based on. Uh, a person's needs, uh, what their current, uh, what their current uh, status is, any sort of ailments, uh, you know, challenges with activities of daily living, challenges with instrumental activities of daily living, and their financial situation, right? right. And through that, um, uh, and also understanding what the goals are, and through that, we're able to sort of be put together the beginnings of a plan. Okay. But and if at that point uh, we move on to engagement. And we do engage. It starts first two of our four stages, which is planning and preparation. Okay. The planning, we're designing a plan uh, to create eligibility. Okay. In most cases, currently, community-based Medicaid is a 30-day look back. We provide 90 days worth of financials, um, along with all of the recording reporting requirements, and uh, and our chronic-based files, nursing home files, more skilled need are a five-year look back, 60 months look back. And sometimes people have exposed assets uh, in crisis. They didn't plan. Mm -hmm. um, they may have some money uh, that is otherwise exposed. Working with a professional like ourselves, they should expect to save about half of it. And so we're able to, in most cases, protect 
half of what we would consider to be exposed assets on a chronic file. Okay. So we create the plan, we, de we design the plan, we begin to implement that plan. And along the way, we're also uh, getting through the preparation stage. In the preparation stage, we're gathering documents in a form that Medicaid is accustomed to seeing them. Um, we're putting checklists together, successfully satisfying those checklists. And once we're all green on our checklists and all green on our plan, we're then presenting a file um, to one of many uh, agencies, um, Medicaid, you know, Nassau County, Suffolk County, uh, the boroughs is in all done through Brooklyn, Westchester County's Rockland, so on and so forth. We're presenting, going through the processing stage, which depending on the type of file that we're doing can take, you know, from 11 to 30 days or potentially 90 days. Again, okay. depending on the type of file that, we're, uh, that we are, um, the file process that we're heading down. At the end of which we have an approval, end of stage three. The last stage begins to take shape at that point, which is our placement stage. And that's where all of the final connections are made. In a community-based file, that may mean scheduling of assessments, uh, pre preparation of uh, uh, of a client for those assessments and or a family member. In some cases, we are present for those assessments. We have uh, licensed social workers that are uh, involved uh, all throughout the placement process. We're putting together uh, pool trusts uh, when those are required. Uh, we are making connections to licensed home care service agencies, fiscal intermediaries, um, all the uh, sort of end connection work, right? The care coordination. Um, so that all happens in our last stage. From that point forward, it's really a maintenance uh, piece for us. Mm -hmm. We remain involved with the family um, um, and with follow-up notices and so on and so forth, but primarily four stages to our process. Right, right. And just quickly, uh, that you mentioned uh, pool trusts. The, I guess these are pooled income trusts. Just quickly explain to folks what that is. Yeah, so uh, New York State has income requirements um, that uh, currently is $934 for an individual, $1,367 for a couple. Um, and what happens is that any uh, income that is above and beyond that uh, creates a challenge in eligibility. And so you have two options. One is to buy in. Uh, it's called the buy-in option. And uh, you can take any money above uh, 934, 1367 and simply send it into Medicaid. They will provide uh, benefits for one month. Uh, and on the first of the next month, the same obligation uh, sort of is created. Uh, your income comes in, you have to spend down. Um, and so, and the other option, the most useful option is called a pool trust. Mm -hmm. uh, with a pool trust, we're able to shelter that excess income and utilize it for a person's benefit. Right. Um, that could be used for anything. And that's quite often the question, you know, uh, what are they going to do with my money? Do I have to leave it there? You know, what happens to that money? So on and so forth. And, you know, uh, I, I try and help people to feel comfortable. This money is for their use, right? The state uh, wants to see that it's used for anything other than five categories they consider to be no-nos. So no alcohol, no tobacco, no guns, gambling, or gifts. Right. I know that sounds pretty funny, all right? But uh, uh, the idea is it's hard for people to understand. You know, you can 
You can spend a thousand dollars on a diamond ring. No one, you know, it's completely allowable as far as the state is concerned. But you can't give a hundred dollars to church. That's just the way it works. Um, and so, but pool trusts are an extremely valuable tool. It allows you to create the eligibility you need while maintaining the use of what the, the state considers to be your excess or surplus income. Right, right. And you can't use that the money as well for medical purposes, right? That's to be covered by Medicaid. Right. Sure. Well, yeah. your medical, uh, your medical is covered by Medicare primarily, and then Medicaid uh, either as your secondary, or supplemental, or a supplement to your existing supplement. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there. Are, uh, this is a national show, so there are people listening from across the country. Hopefully, um. So, um. So, but you work. Uh, I guess is your business essentially state based, or do you work with people at other parts of the country? And if not, how do people find specialists in other parts of the country? great question so we are um we are certified to work in every state in the country we oh, okay. work in every state other than florida for a variety of reasons but um uh, we specialize in new york that's where we choose to work we have colleagues that work throughout the country and quite often we're getting a call for a family member in virginia or you know uh you've got uh, you know my cousin is in california we want to get him involved in MedCal or whatever it is there. Um, uh, and so we have colleagues that we work with throughout the states uh, that specialized, all certified Medicaid planners. Uh, you can also go to cmpboard.org um, and look up, uh, that's uh, certified Medicaid planner, cmpboard.org. Uh, 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 and you can find someone in your prospective state. So to, uh, repeat that again, cmpboard.org. cmpboard.org. Okay, good. All right. So I, I think part of it too is um, is the complication and, and that things change and, and they're, you know, that's, I guess, Medicaid um, is always sort of, you know, on the board, so to speak. And from a public policy point of view, things change. So I guess... One of the things that we mentioned earlier on is that, and it's not clear where it's going to end up exactly, but um, so there's still a five-year look back in terms of um, uh, asset protection for uh, uh, for Medicaid eligibility in, say, a nursing home, but for community Medicaid at home, which is where a lot of people like to, you know, prefer to get a, that, that's the one that's, that's in flux, right? Yeah, so... Um... About a year and a half ago, uh, we got the results of the second Medicaid redesign team mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the changes that were prescribed really did not affect the chronic-based Medicaid program. That was pretty much remaining intact. The community-based Medicaid program, however, um, had some pretty, you know, uh, some substantial changes that so far have been proposed. Some have already been implemented. The biggest of which is a 30 month look back versus a 30 day look back. Okay. Um, and so when that's on the table, um, it keeps getting pushed off. Uh, currently we're at October 1st in terms of the change. Uh, we'll more than likely go to January 1st. Um, and, you know, I've got my own personal feelings about it ever even coming into play. However, uh, it is something that we need to prepare for. Mm -hmm. uh, and so right now, uh, you can plan this month. We're at the uh, the end of August. 
you can plan now uh, and create eligibility for September 1st. You can create uh, exempt transfers, uh, put together an irrevocable trust if that's necessary, um, and transfer assets into it and create eligibility as of September 1st mm-hmm. um, for community-based programs, which community-based is the broader program. It covers you either at home and in assisted living or with family. Um, it is one-on-one care versus congregate setting type care. Right. Or you're in a skilled environment uh, through chronic-based Medicaid and you're one of many at home, you are getting one-to-one care. Um, and and uh, it is often the preferred route to take. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So community-based Medicaid, although currently 30 days, uh, may, should eventually go to 30 months. Right. And is that, again, on a state basis or is that nationwide? State, yeah. So Medicaid is, um, is 50% subsidized by um, uh, federal government, 50% right. subsidized by the state but it is driven state by state. Right. And so what we're talking about today is uniquely New York state. Right. So other states may differ. Yes, they may. Yeah. Right. And they don't, you know, again, I'm a little bit, bi- I'm a little biased, but New York state has a very robust program, especially mm-hmm. on the community based side. Right. Um, getting home care in New York is, uh, is something that one can rely on whereas you may not be able to in other states. Right, right. Okay. So, folks, there's a lot more to talk about. Uh, We're going to have to take another short break. Um, But when we come back, uh, don't go away. We have a lot more in our last segment with Guido Durley from Emix Elder Care, talking about the entire process of Medicaid planning from the point of view of a certified Medicaid specialist. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more. 
We'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Edo Durley, the founder of Amex Elder Care, about all things Medicaid, planning, that is. Um, so before the break, uh, we were talking about uh, a number of issues of eligibility, and I thought we've touched on this, but I wanted to also just uh, as a sort of a review in the last segment, because a lot of this is complicated and, and uh, you know, hard to remember, frankly. So let's talk about just uh, in, in summary, Guido, some of the ideas. So one of the misconceptions is that you have to impoverish yourself to, for Medicaid eligibility. So let's talk about that first when reviewing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we are, we spend a lot of time and effort trying to raise awareness about these sorts of things. You mm-hmm. know? It is the misconception that, uh, you know, um, uh, we have too much, we own too much, we make too much, we can't possibly qualify for these types of programs. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that uh, nothing is further from the truth. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, if you're independently wealthy and your passive income should be able to cover for your, your long-term care needs, Medicaid probably isn't the right uh, tool for you. Mm-hmm. However, if you're a middle-class New Yorker who spent your entire life working to put together a small savings, you own your own home, um, a home that has no monetary value to you, it is your home and that's where you intend on being, you know, you have some... Uh, monthly income through pensions and social security. And, you know, our typical client may have, you know, four or $5,000 a month of passive income through their social security and, okay. um, and their, um, and their pensions. They may own a home, which in Long Island could easily be, you know, seven or $800,000. Uh, they've got some savings, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars in a variety of instruments. Um when faced with crisis, uh, a person or a couple like that can very easily blow through all of that very quickly. Mm-hmm. That does not help a family to um, uh, to feel comfortable knowing that, you know, that mom and dad could age with dignity, right? The worst thing in the world, you know, we have a client, we had a client once who was a nurse uh, who got very sick in mm-hmm. her late 60s, um, ended up exhausting you know, four hundred thousand dollars of savings between her four hundred one k and and savings, and um, took a, sa- a reverse mortgage on her house to satisfy bills over a ten year period of time. Mm-hmm. And by the time she was asking her daughter for fifty dollars to get her hair done or a hundred dollars to give her grandchildren a gift, and as humiliating as that is, uh, they decided it was time. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, in our world, that's not the time you want to come to us. The time you want to come to us is before that. Right. When you want to take certain steps to protect these assets, again, within reason, 
take certain steps to preserve your income and get connected to these benefits earlier rather than later right. in order to, you know, feel better about the aging process. It's, you know, you didn't work your entire life just to see it exhausted in a year paying a rehab center because you got COVID twice and, you know, uh, and you were stuck there and, you know, at $18,000 a month for some of them, right. you know, you can easily go through a couple of hundred thousand dollars in 10 months. Right. And right. so, um, yeah, the, uh, to answer your question, no, you should not, you don't need to be destitute in order to be, in order to qualify for these programs. What right. you need is you need professional help, seek right. the help of, right. of a qualified right. Medicaid professional to guide you and get connected to these programs as a supplement to your Medicare. Right. So, yeah. Um, so one of the things that people talk about is, is one of the tools and irrevocable trust. Um, so this is one of the tools you, you've talked about, but as, as you've mentioned to me before, it's not, it's not absolutely essential. There are other ways to do it. Right. I mean, it may, it depends, right? Yeah. Could you get a screw into a piece of sheetrock with a sledgehammer? Probably. Right. Uh, is it the right tool for the situation? Not always, right? Okay. Probably not. So an irrevocable trust is an incredibly valuable tool and one that is very helpful in estate planning. Is it always necessary? No. Um, and that is really decided on a case-by-case basis. Um, but uh, an irrevocable trust to avoid probate, you know, to, uh, to uh, raise a cost basis, in order to protect against capital gains exposure, uh, to convey assets easily uh, is is an incredibly valuable tool, right. but it isn't always necessary. Right, right. Um, there are situations where you know a private home is already in a life estate, or a private home is already co-owned with a child. There are assets that are commingled with children, and you know, um, you know, there are. Uh, there are instances, you know, I would say 40 to 50 percent of the time in which an irrevocable trust isn't that needed. However, when needed, we have attorneys that work with us um, that will uh, help get involved at that point, usually at a very reasonable rates based on our activity level mm -hmm. um, and help our clients to get that done first in planning. And then second, uh, Medicaid planning comes into play. Right. right. And. You know, there. So you're Medicaid planners. Now there are Medicare planners as well. Do you often work with them? And, and I assume that most people, or not many people, working for uh, for Medicaid, um, applying for Medicaid, also may already be on Medicare. So how do you coordinate that? Well, I, as a prerequisite, uh, almost all of our clients are already on Medicare. Okay. Uh, right. We work very specifically through ABD Medicaid, Medicaid for the aged, the aging, the blind, or the disabled. Okay. And that, the cheat idea is that if you have a Medicare card, you essentially fall into that category. And so people that are on Medicare, uh, we are helping in most cases, if not every case, people that are already on Medicare. And, you know, quite often the question becomes another myth is, well, I don't want to change my doctors. You know? very comfortable. My doctor accepts Medicare. I don't want Medicaid. I want to stick with my doctors, I want to be able to go uh, and see my doctors. And 
what people fail to realize is that ABD Medicaid, uh, uh, very unlike CHIPS, which are for children under the age of 18, and mainstream Medicaid for people between the ages of 18 and 64, ABD Medicaid for people aging, blind, disabled, is delivered in the form of a supplement. So Medicare always remains the primary health insurance. Mm -hmm. Medicaid, ABD Medicaid, becomes a supplemental insurance, almost like a long-term care policy, mm -hmm. which covers, you know, eyeglass, hearing aid, dental, rides to and from the doctor, rides to and from the pharmacy, but most importantly, long-term care in a variety of settings, either at home, in an assisted living, or in a skilled environment. Right. And so one of the myths is that Medicaid is going to come in in place of Medicare for the people that we're working with, not the case. And working with a Medicare professional to decipher you know, what sort of programs are best for you, what sort of uh, plans are best for you. I, again, I'm very fond of working with a specialist or a professional in, those sense, in that sense, seeking the the guidance of a Medicare professional when the time comes, super important. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but in most cases, people that come to us already have Medicare. Right. I need Medicaid as a supplement, which in my opinion, again, a little bias, the best insurance you can have in America. Mm -hmm. A senior that has Medicare slash Medicaid can walk into any hospital, um, go into any rehab center and walk out without a bill. Right, right, yeah. Now, how do you work in terms of, I, I know that you have a, um, a fee scale, it's a sliding fee scale. Explain a little bit how, about how you uh, work with fees. So, I mean, fees is an inevitability. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we work, we help people for nothing. You know, we do. There are cases in which anyone that comes to us at some point, our mission is to help people. And, um, and you know, if they can't afford your fees, you know, it's it's sort of counterintuitive, right? Mm -hmm. If your goal is to help people, how is it that you draw the line and whether or not you can cover fees? So there are people that come to us from time to time who are naturally eligible for Medicaid right. and need some help. We certainly help people like that. Uh, I would say that in most cases, uh, we are working with people that have assets to protect, income to preserve. Um, uh, beneficial outcomes that they want to create more predictable approach to. Um, and in cases like that, we are charging fees. Mm -hmm. We are a for-profit company. Um, and uh, But they're often, you know, a fraction of what they might cost otherwise. And very, very highly uh, targeted, specific to what their needs are. Uh, our fees can range from $1,000 to $10,000, depending on the complexity of the case, the higher of the range is more in line with uh, people that have uh, excessive resources, not monetary resources, but accounts, right? You know, a person can have a million dollars in one account or $10,000 amongst 20 accounts. The person with 20 accounts is always going to pay us more, is more work to do. And right. so, uh, but, you know, I would say that they range in that range, the most expensive of which being the more complex cases, always nursing home cases versus community-based cases. Um, and so, yeah, I would say it ranges there and it slides mm -hmm. based on uh, based on what's required of us in order to get the work done. Right, right. Now, you know, just stepping back a bit to, you know, the bigger picture, um, you know, I think this is, you know, people in your, in your field provide, um, 
you know, tremendous service to people, but it, it, it seems like there still is a real need for advocacy and education. Um, any, any thoughts on how we broaden the knowledge about how to do this? <laughs> I think the, the thing that you mentioned before is that I think people are, people are worried about running out of money, but they're also worried about what you mentioned before, which is aging with dignity. And I think that's a big problem, a big you know, concern people have. I, I agree, uh, Ron. One of the worst, one of the, you know, I, I deal with a lot of people, a lot mm -hmm. of families, lots of dynamics. And one common goal is to, I want to be home. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to run out of money, right? These are valid concerns. I don't want to outlive my money. I don't want to be dependent on anyone. I spent my entire life raising X amount of children. I don't want to become a dependent on my children. Right. Um, and so a lot of the work that we do is to help to preserve that idea uh, without without jeopardizing any of the care piece, without jeopardizing quality in care, quantity of care. Um, these are very, very important, you know, um, steps you have to take in order to avoid hospital visits, in order to avoid rehab visits. The idea is to um, sort of get ahead of these things to avoid those things. Um, what could we do to make these? I think raising awareness is, is incredibly important. These things will never get simpler. Mm -hmm. uh, and the minute you think they're simple is the minute you're setting yourself up for disaster. Right. Um, and so, but raising awareness of these programs and how it can help you specifically gaining the knowledge or the guidance from a Medicaid, in our case, Medicaid professional or other types of professionals to really understand what your options look like, I think is, is critical, critical mm -hmm. to seeing that happen. If I had my way, I'd be able to have a conversation like we did pre COVID with senior centers and um, uh, people that are, you know, on their way to becoming, uh, you know, more in need uh, and helping them to, sort of get through these myths and misnomers. You know, when right. I, got, I got a call last week, a woman told me in the Bronx, it's the second time in the Bronx for whatever reason, that uh, she was informed that her mother couldn't get care at home until she sold her home. Mm. Just the worst step you can take right. when Medicaid planning. This right. is an exempt asset. Right. And taking that, converting it into a cannibal asset could be detrimental. Right. Someone offered her this advice. Right. You know, uh, you know, Getting ahead of that, and, and don't get me wrong, social workers play an incredible role in helping to put these, you know, these uh, discharge plans and uh, designing these outcomes. But there are times where I wish they were better informed. Right. Now, Guido, yeah. we're, we're coming to a close, but before we end it, I wanted to at least uh, let people know uh, if they want to reach you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, our website is always a great resource. Um, you can connect uh, to us through our website, mxeldercare.com. That's oh. E-M-I-C-S, eldercare.com. Okay. It's a great way to get in touch with us. Right. Okay. All right. So listen, um, uh, if you missed today's conversation with Guido, you can listen to it again as a podcast on voiceamerica.com or go to my website, um, roelresources.com and click on the 45 forward tab. Um, so be sure to join me next Monday, uh, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking 
to um, uh, Ryan McKenna, the owner of a leading home care uh, provider uh, in Massachusetts, about how technology can help you successfully age at home. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.